I'm Maha Khan Phillips, editor of Professional Investor at CFA UK. Welcome to the latest episode of the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is a show for investment professionals, and we focus on a whole manner of topics and interesting insights that are impacting our profession today. In this episode, we're going to be looking at how innovation is changing the asset management industry. Whether we think of innovation in technology or data science or people and talent management or sustainability or a whole lot more besides, the investment organizations of tomorrow are embracing innovation today. But what does that innovation look like and how transformational are the times we are living in really? Well, I'm delighted to say that Marissa Hall is here to help us look at some of the themes around innovation. Marissa is head of the Thinking Ahead Institute, a global not-for-profit investment research network focused on mobilizing capital for a sustainable future. The Institute's membership includes more than 50 of the world's largest asset owners and asset managers with combined responsibility for over $16 trillion. A former senior investment consultant in Willis Towers Watson's investment advisory business, Marissa is on the standing committee of Investment 2020, a UK-based not-for-profit which focuses on attracting diverse talent into the industry. She also serves on the steering committee of Talk About Black, a powerful movement sponsored by the Diversity Project that aims to improve the conversation on ethnic diversity. Marissa was one of the financial news's rising stars of asset management in Europe in 2020 and was Woman of the Year in the 2020 Women in Finance Summit and Awards Series. She also featured on the 2021 Institute and Faculty of Actuaries Roll Call for Thought Leaders in the category of Actuaries Changing Mindsets and is also a recipient of the CEO Circle Awards for outstanding contribution to the values of Willis Towers Watson. Welcome, Marissa. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Absolute pleasure, Martha. Thanks for having me. Let's start with this idea of innovation. Humans throughout history have thought that they lived in particularly innovative times, and yet every generation brings its own innovation and change. So when you think about innovation, what does it mean to you? And are we living in truly innovative times? (laughs) Well, it's a very good question. And yes, I do remember when I got my first Sony Walkman and was absolutely thrilled at the ability to be able to play cassettes and music on the go. Also, when as a family, we got our first computer, it was a Commodore 128 and playing Snake was my favorite game. A few of us might remember that. And I think at the time, all of those various aspects of technology were seen as cutting edge. I mean, who would have thought that today You have a single phone that can take calls, play music, go on the internet, do work at the same time. And it is absolutely mind-blowing and it's absolutely phenomenal. But when you think about innovation and definition, I think that's really, really tough. You know, there's no one definition to it. Uh, Steve Jobs, he described it as, you know, putting a ding in the universe. Uh, Thomas Edison, the inventor, he talked about, well, it's just about finding a better way of doing things. And It was Arthur C. Clarke, he was a sci-fi writer. He talked about going beyond the limits of the possible. So I think the reality is innovation means different things to different people. But for me, it's not just about creating those new products, those new ideas, those inventions. I think the process of innovation really matters. It's about being systematic. It's about ensuring that you are able to use that product and that idea to be able to provide some sort of use to others to be able to influence their their thinking. And I think the good thing about innovation, regardless of how you define it, you know, there is a measure of agreement about how it can be done. Um, 
And for that, it's really about making sure that you have the structure and the culture in place in an organization. You have a bias towards taking action, to making a difference. You understand the landscape in which you're operating in. You're able to anticipate new market needs. I mean, that was the Henry Ford quote. You know, if I asked them what they wanted, they would have asked me for a faster horse. So being able to anticipate what individuals want, not just thinking about what's happened in the past is important. And you've got to really be curious. You've got to challenge that status quo and obviously be nimble and adapt. So I think regardless of how you think about innovation, there's that point around, you know, how useful it is to others and how you go about achieving it, all with the intention of actually building a better world and a better society. Marissa, you've really taken me back to my childhood because I'm thinking of Sony Walkman's and my first Apple Mac when it's floppy disk that took two hours to load up. Um, But this is really interesting and it's a really interesting point around the asset management industry as well because um, even in the time that I've been in the industry, there's been so much change. I mean, the pace of change has been exponential. Um, so, and, and the, just the, the, the business models have shifted, the things that we prioritize are changing all the time. So are we seeing a particularly innovative time in asset management or what, what is happening to the industry that's sort of in the way that it's transforming? Another good question. I think we've always lived in innovative times. And I think to some extent, actually, this is a bit different. I mean, history, we always like to say it doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. And so, you know, we have seen how the world has gone through various cycles of innovation um, to meet new challenges. It was uh, Santa Fe professor, Brad Arthur, he talks about this particularly with regard to technology. You know, he talked about technology every 20 years or so um, morphing and bringing us something different. You know, the 70s and 80s where we had um, integrated circuits, you know, memory chips, processors, that was the age of that. the 90s, the 2000s, where you talked about how um, digital processes connected. So that's bringing computers together, connecting them via the internet. That was that was a massive digital revolution. And then in the kind of 2010s, you know, we had just the proliferation of sensors, you know, whether it be magnetic and radar or gyroscopic. And what was really important, particularly about that sort of third morphing of technology is that that brought us loads of data. You know, having those sensors to be able to pick up data was incredibly important. And so now what we're trying to do really is make sense of it. So coming back to the asset management industry, are we living in this age of innovation? I think that proliferation of data has been critical, particularly when it comes to ESG and sustainability data. And so, to make sense of it, what we're seeing now, and you know, every other day you hear a new story about it, um, about AI and the ability of AI to make sense. And when I talk about that intelligence and artificial intelligence, you know, we're not talking about sort of conscious thought, deductive reasoning, you know, we're talking about actually the ability of this technology to make associations. So the ability to look at data, put a net over it and say, well, what's going to happen next? And that's what's really powerful about artificial intelligence. So taking that data and making it into something that is useful. Um, But in terms of, you know, what's happening now, I, I talked about history not repeating itself, but it rhymes. But 
we all, I believe, continue to be in this period of great acceleration. Um, it was Robert Colville, he was an author, he talked about this, he popularized the term. And the impact of the great acceleration has been considerable, although probably underappreciated, dare I say. You know, what's happening in that is that we have had all of these changes in technology, in demography, in globalization, in, in the environment. We've had social norms speeding up. And so those that believe that the status quo still exists are probably in a bit of denial. So to succeed in this period of the great acceleration, investment organizations, the asset management industry, very much need to reposition, as you've mentioned, the business model, the operating model, the investment model, the people model. And to be able to reposition those various models, that requires a considerable shift in mindset. It requires a considerable shift in the practice. So it's a fascinating time. You know, we are going through a brilliant period in the asset management industry where we're able to be able to use technology to bring us the insights that we need. That's really interesting. And let's break that down because you mentioned the business and the people and the investment models. So can you speak a little bit about how business models are changing and how technology is aiding in, in that evolution as well? Breaking down an investment organization to various models is just, just a way of simplifying it so that we can understand what's happening under the bonnet. And it was a couple of years ago at the Institute, we started a working group called the Investment Organization of Tomorrow. And in that working group, we had, you know, C-suite level, senior leadership level, really talking about what are the changes that they see need to take place within their organizations to truly, you know, be able to adapt to new landscapes. And the idea of this group was, well, let's, let's keep on thinking about what we need. And so, there were three things in particular that resonated, I think, to me. So, yes, as you said, what are the changes needed to the business model? What are the changes needed to the investment model? And what are the changes needed to the people model? Now, if we pick on the first one, actually, when we think about an organization's business model, what we're really talking about here is the ability of that organization to be able to create value. And to do that, that requires thinking about the mission, it requires thinking about stakeholders, it requires thinking about goals, it requires thinking about strategy. And so when you're thinking about the business model of an organization and how that can be changed or to be adapted to new landscapes, actually you really have to think about, you know, that value creation through the lens of which stakeholders are benefiting from it. And what we've seen in the industry is a widening of the stakeholders out under consideration. You know, yes, shareholders, yes, clients, but actually thinking about shareholders such as wider society and the planet. So that multi-stakeholder model has been a really important, dare I say, innovation for our industry from a business model perspective. Where actually, as an, as an, as an asset manager, you're thinking about your value creative activities from a more balanced perspective. And we see that, you know, there was an explicit test of that around, you know, the various commitments to climate change and net zero, where the planet was seen as a, as a key stakeholder. We're also seeing sort of in the business model area, you know, that diversity of clients, diversity, sorry, that diversification of clients, you know, so moving into thinking about the retail space, thinking about wealth management space, thinking about endowments and foundations and charities. 
And we're also seeing, as we, as I mentioned before, the greater adoption of thinking about how technology can be used to make sense of that data. It was, it was Vanguard just yesterday saying that artificial intelligence will be the ultimate transformation of the asset management industry. So all of that is really important. But as I said, it requires that mindset to learn and to use those technologies successfully. Um, and so I suppose that's the business model element of the shift. And, and let's talk about how people and the people model is changing. Yeah, no, people model I always think is fascinating. You know, we as an industry are driven by, and we can only be as good as the professionals that are within it. And so the innovations that we're seeing in the kind of people model that, you know, there's, there's the, the kind of very obvious one where we talked about the impact of the pandemic. And so therefore the ability of individuals to um, do hybrid working and think about their work-life balance. So as an organization, what you've seen are leaders effectively thinking, what is the best way of bringing the best of our employees? What work can be done from home and what work should be done in the office? What we found with you know, our research on hybrid working and the future of work is that actually you want to be able to maintain that employee flexibility, but actually you want to also be able to maintain the culture of an organization. And for innovation to really be able to, to occur, you know, sometimes it happens in terms of you sitting down and you speaking to somebody in the office or you having that water cooler moment. And so being able to create those spaces for innovation, being able to create those those spaces where people are able to test ideas and to be able to fail and to be able to come back and try new ideas is really important. You know, you know, Steve Jobs, I, I do love his, his quotes and he always talks about innovation is, um, he always used to talk about innovation being saying no to a thousand things. It's not just about the things you've done, but it's also about the things you have said no to. And so there's no innovation or creativity without failure. And so therefore, you know, when I think about sort of the people model of businesses and being able to create those spaces where individuals are able to test ideas, that's why it's been really important for organizations and asset managers to think about, you know, how to create those magnetic offices that attract people and make it worth the commute. I think the other thing we're also seeing is, you know, when it comes to new skills that individuals are needed. And so before we used to, as an industry, very much, you know, focus on, well, actually, you wanted a star fund manager, the star trader, you know, the, 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 the key leader. But actually what we're seeing in the people model is that teams are the, the ultimate, you know, creator of value in an organization. And so therefore understanding how diversity plays into teams, you know, being able to get those different perspectives so that, you know, the whole is greater and some of the parts has been incredibly important. And so what we see in particularly in the asset management industry within these investment teams is a greater focus on how to improve collective intelligence, how to tap into the best of individuals to be able to, to say, well, actually, we're using that diversity of thought to, to drive critical decisions. And of course, as part of thinking about skills, you know, I mentioned AI before, but what we're finding is that artificial intelligence is able to replace some of the, the, the kind of more automated or predictive elements of a job and predictive elements of a role. 
which means that humans and professionals are able to focus on higher skilled areas. And so we're seeing here leaders thinking about that combination of AI plus HI, so artificial intelligence plus human intelligence, as a way to, yes, reduce costs, but also to boost efficiency and productivity. So the people model has a lot of new, new things in there and, and leaders therefore have to pay attention to how professionals can thrive within their business environments. That's so interesting. So many different shifting kind of areas there then. Um, it'd be interesting to see how that evolves. And what about in the world of investment models? Oh gosh, I could, I could speak forever about changes in investment models. Um, there's just so many exciting things happening. And I was speaking to a number of researchers across different asset classes and just saying, you know, what's kind of new, what's happening within your, your particular areas? I think, you know, this point, you know, the common theme was really around the use of big data and the use of alternative data by asset managers. And whether that be through natural language processing, so the ability to recognize human speeches, um, human speech, uh, whether it be image recognition, so therefore being able to use technology to read through text to recognize objects or through machine learning where you're basically looking at that improvement or experience. The common theme was actually being able to capture all of this data and to turn it into something useful, something that I spoke away for. And, you know, various sources, you know, estimate that the asset management industry has nearly tripled their spending on data over the last five years. I mean, triple, that's, that's a phenomenal growth. It, it goes to your question about, you know, are things speeding up? Is, it, is innovation being exponential? And innovation is facilitated by um, data. So when I think about specific areas within investment, you know, what you find are, um, particularly when it comes to sustainability, uh, an increase in just the sheer number of data providers, you know, um, and what you're able to have is this, that, proliferation almost to say of off-the-shelf ESG rating. So before you used to have these traditional players, um, maybe some niche players producing, uh, you know, findings and ratings on ESG. Um, what you're finding now is that actually there's just so many more organizations that are able to do this because of the use of AI and the use of technology. So organizations are capturing this data and using it and building it into products. You know, we see within the private market space in, you know, firms, asset managers using AI to source deals, right? So capture those masses of data, use it to create those, those form letters for corporations, you know, also starting to use, you know, AI to conduct due diligence on businesses. And we're seeing that increase in the hiring, as I mentioned in the people model of you know, data scientists really to be able to um, facilitate that, that use. I think also what we see is, you know, when it comes to disruption, when it comes to fees, we're seeing that while in the private market space, you know, fees are sort of uh, more or less staying the same, that tends to happen when it comes to mandates just being more customized, mandates being more specialized, and asset managers being able to say, well, actually, we're adding a lot of real value in this area. Um, we're seeing, you know, 
more green bond mandates being awarded uh, with different qualities of green. So whether it be carbon capture, avoiding emissions, we're seeing, you know, greater net zero objectives being set in mandates. Um, you know, even within just going back to the bond thing recently, an Asian climate bond mandate, so the first of its kind being launched. So all of these innovations within the, you know, when it comes to investment products are happening out there, a lot of which being driven by, yes, data, but also being driven by sustainability goals. I think if I step back a little bit from, you know, um, products, and I think about, for instance, indices, one of the innovations that we believe, for instance, that, well, if I'm thinking about it, is, you know, being able to quantify climate transition risk. So actually, you know, recently we've created this new index to help investors more accurately value the impact of a climate transition as we move into a net zero economy. And so we decided, well, actually, we need to just create a new index about it that tilts towards companies that are expected to benefit from the transition and tilt away from companies that would face uh, significant challenges. So all of these innovations out there, but just as I mentioned, stepping back, we're finding that the asset management industry is you know, moving away from just thinking about the world in a 2D lens of risk and return, but thinking about risk return and the impact of their activities on the wider planet, on wider society. And that involves providing, you know, funds that provide a measure of resilience, that think about risk using multiple lenses, and also think about how they can provide the asset managers total portfolio solutions to the asset owners um, and support that integrated thinking. So there's loads happening in, within the investment model, I think, that are just really exciting. Um, and there's just so much more that we're able to see. That's great. Thank you. And can you talk a little bit more about the total portfolio solutions? So when we think about total portfolio approach, what we're really talking about is instead of thinking of the world just through the lens of specific asset classes, whether it be equities, credit, you know, private markets and so forth, you're effectively thinking about your total fund, your total portfolio where every pound or every dollar of capital is used to chase the best ideas, regardless of whether those ideas fit into neat asset class buckets. And, you know, what we're seeing is really a blend of these new ideas as, as asset managers, you know, embrace innovation. They're starting to think of the world as, well, actually, no, I'm going to invest in this particular technology or this particular um this particular innovation that doesn't quite, as I said, neatly fit into this class. And so what we're finding is that asset owners are moving away from thinking about strategic asset allocations to total portfolios. So therefore, they're able to allocate um, money towards these innovative areas. And that requires a degree of integrated thinking. That requires thinking about what the ultimate goals are of my portfolio, um, you know, risk return and also impact and thinking about how I can use my capital to best achieve that. And we do a, num a lot of work with organizations in helping them move from thinking about the world from a traditional asset class, um, you know, thinking about a benchmark world to thinking about how they can make the most of their portfolio 
from using total portfolio approach thinking. And so we, we have those discussions all the time because it's 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 just a better way of running your fund. Thank you. And I, and I do want to bring you back to this point about data just because it's under, underpinned so much of the of what we've been talking about in the innovation space. Um, there is so much data. And as, as you pointed out, it's growing at such an exponential pace. Um, but how do we filter through the noise of all that data? That's a tough one. And I think, you know, to some, some extent, I mean, technology helps, you know, this point that I was making about AI. So being able to use generative AI to be able to, you know, predict to some extent what's coming next. But this is why I think that, you know, humans and investment professionals are really important because the reality is technology can only do so much. And what we need to be able to do is almost upskill where we're able to look at the outputs of, of that technology and say, well, what's important, what doesn't import, what isn't important, you know, and, and that's always going to be an important skill. So it's moving from that point, as you said, where you have that proliferation of data to being able to change, turn that into insights, to be able to turn that into to wisdom. So sometimes what we talk about is we talk about, you know, data um, needs to sit within an intelligence spectrum, and we call that the data stack. So basically, you collect a lot of data, you know, you use various measurements and various indicators, et cetera, but you need to synthesize that data into decision useful judgment. And that's how you move it from, you know, indicators measurement to information, to insight, to wisdom. And to be able to do that, I mean, that's that's tough, right? So you need to have um, a, a good corporate culture. You need to understand the difference between hard data and soft data, so data that's subjective. You need to understand which data is material and really valuable and which data is maybe objective, but not necessarily as valid. So there's a lot of trade-offs in terms of understanding you know, and applying a systems lens to, to data. So yes, think about the provenance, think about the validity, think about, you know, the objectivity of that data and the materiality and seek that inference by going up through that data stack that I mentioned to be able to create that wisdom. And it's, it's tricky. We're, we're bombarded with it, but we do need to make sense of it. And I'm sure that's going to change over time, as you say, as, as AI becomes um, more good at contextualizing things for us. So how do you see and where do you see further innovation happening in the investment industry and how might that help transform the industry even more as we go forward? You know, what's what's interesting is, you know, I talked about uh, Brian Arthur and from Santa Fe and he talked about technology morphing, you know, over time, you know, from you know, talking about sort of microchips going into um, AI, for instance. But, and I actually think as an industry, we are just coming to grips with how we can use artificial intelligence to really transform our businesses. And, you know, we're all sort of looking into it. We're all thinking, how can we, we can use that technology um, to benefit our clients and, and customers and the end saver. I think that, Therefore, what's really interesting is that we need to make sure as an industry that we have the enablers to drive innovation. And that's where I almost see, you know, further work needs to be done. It's, it's, it's a kind of known area where 
technology advances before social norms are able to catch up with it. So we develop the technology and then we say, oh, wait a minute, how, how do we actually use this? What are the ethics around it? What, how, do we, how do we govern this and how do we manage it? And so therefore, actually, the area for the industry, I believe, that we need to work with is how to marshal this technology and how to understand the rules around it and what we can and what we can't do. And the regulators will obviously play a role. So that, that further innovation in the industry needs to happen from a social um, perspective, understanding the rules of this. And the enablers that we're talking about here is, well, actually, we need, you know, as I said, culture. We need a vision of how we want to use this data. We need guardrails around how we're able to use this data, which involves a rigorous process. We need coalitions to some extent. So we need to, as an industry, come together to understand the limits and the power of this te these technologies. And that requires, you know, systems leadership. You know, I, I wouldn't be from the Thinking Ahead Institute if I didn't spend at least one minute talking about systems leadership, where actually it's so important to be able to recontextualize the problem and view it as, well, we have common problems and we need to find common solutions. We need to work on the system because actually by working on the system, we are therefore able to create um, better outcomes for our clients. It's that typical adage, you know, the returns we need only come from a system that works. So the innovations in our industry have to do with greater systems thinking, understanding how we marshal technology, building up our, 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 social, our social skills to be able to do so. And it's just, it's just really an exciting time, I think, to be working in, in our industry. Um, and I'm just looking forward to seeing what comes out of this. Wow, thank you so much. It's really amazing to think about how much change we're seeing and where we're heading. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Remember to look out for the next episode of our In Conversation podcast through the usual CFA UK email and social media channels. You can also subscribe so that you don't miss an episode through CFA UK's SoundCloud channel or Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, Marissa. Thank you, Maha.